Welcome to Dugout Therapy, a baseball podcast about the mental game built by Coach Grace. If you're looking to succeed both on and off the field, this is the place for you. And right then I was like, all right, like, I don't know what exactly I'm going to do yet, but I'm going to make sure that nobody ever feels like this ever again. And I'm going to do whatever I can in my power to help athletes be prepared when adversity hits and when different moments like this hit. So going through the drug test, man, and like this, all this crazy stuff, like it really you know, it just put things in perspective for me and, and made me realize like, hey, there's a greater purpose and there's more people out there that are struggling with this stuff and I need to be here to help them get through this. Welcome to Dugout Therapy. I'm here with my co-host, Quinn Adams, um, and this yes. is Dave Wodzis. We got a really cool guest here today, guys, Austin Byler from Major League University. Um, so I want to welcome you all to, to Austin here. Austin, how you doing, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me on, fellas. I'm excited to get rolling, man. And yeah. Get a little dugout therapy going. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I've, I've been following major league university for a little while now and was, was excited when you reached out to kind of connect. Um, and me and Austin kind of have been talking here and there about baseball and other things. So, um, but getting good vibe for, for what they got going on over there and really excited to, I think, dive a little bit deeper into what, you know, programs you're running, um, some stuff that can benefit coaches to hear, a lot of mental game stuff, which, you know, I find fascinating and i and we've tried to mold a lot of this podcast too. So I'm um, super excited to talk with you, Austin. Appreciate you being on with us. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to dive into it and, and kind of get rolling, man. I love what you guys are doing. It's been fun to follow. So I'm excited to kind of see what's here in the near future. Oh yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I guess to kick us off, um, do you want to give our audience a little bit of background, you know, on you and your baseball story before we dive in? Absolutely, man. So grew up in Peoria, Arizona, played four years of varsity high school baseball, um, pretty competitive area out there in Arizona. Arizona's obviously one of the more of a plethora for baseball. Like you can play mm-hmm. all year round. So growing up, man, it was every day. It was every weekend. <laughs> it felt like it never ended. And sometimes I wanted to just quit because it was so much baseball. <laughs> it really helped mold me for the future, you know, and, and face some really good competition. We got to go a lot of really cool places in my youth years and see a lot of cool parts of the world and Cooperstown, um, different places in the Midwest, going out to California a lot, Vegas, all the above. So I'm kind of going through high school, man. I wasn't really highly recruited as an athlete. So if there's any athletes or parents out there listening to this who they just don't know what to do at the next level yet. They don't know how to get there. They don't know what's going on. Reach out or, or find somebody that you can trust to help you get to that next level. And it's going to be okay. There's always an opportunity for you. For me, it was going into my senior year, man, I was hitting 560, had 20 something intentional walks, like 10 bombs, like greatest year you could ever have. And after the championship game, I still had no offers. And this was May 25th, which is insane. Wow. So Jeez. like that was crazy for me just going through it. I knew I deserved to play at the next level. I knew I wanted to play at the next level, but I didn't know how I was going to get there and if I was going to mm-hmm. get there. And uh, thankfully, a couple of days after the championship ended, uh, I went out to the University of Nevada, Reno, which at first I thought was Vegas. So I was fired up. And then I realized it was up in northern Nevada, about another 10 hours north and had no clue where it was. And smaller town called Reno. And one of the best places in the world, man. This place is incredible. I loved it there. 
I mean, end up signing. So went a couple of days after the championship ended, went up there on a visit. It was cold. It was sleeting. It was not fun to watch, but it was awesome to just see how a college baseball game went and to really kind of get the opportunity to go play somewhere. That was my dream to go play Division One college baseball. And I think we had that opportunity. Went there for four years, 2011 to 2015. I went through a lot of adversity, which I'm sure we'll get into, but kind of just the, the brief overview was uh, had a good career there, man. A couple two-time All-American, um, had some opportunities to go some really cool places. Got to play in the Cape Cod League two summers in a row. I was drafted as a junior by the, the Washington Nationals in the ninth round. And then the following year as a senior, ended up going back to school, decided that we had a great opportunity to win. We had an amazing culture and an amazing coaching staff as well with athletes that wanted to win, man. We were thriving and we knew we were going to be good. And I just felt like, hey, I'm going to go back to school. Let's get this thing going and, and let's see what we can do here in this final year. And I uh, ended up having a great year. Won the, the regular season championship. Kind of got snubbed going into the playoffs, which that's another story. But I uh, <laughs> won over 42 games, man. Uh, we crushed it and wow. ended up getting drafted by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Had a few years there. And uh, now I'm here, man, with Major League University. <laughs> love it, love it. I mean, I th- I think, you know, Obviously, there's a lot in there, and we'll dive we'll dive into a couple parts here. But um, biggest thing for me is like the willingness to 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 come back that last year because of the culture that you had there. And you know, I don't know if it you can correct me if I'm wrong, but did you have a sense of hey, I, I got something to finish here? Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, when I signed, I remember signing Coach Peyton Howard. He's now the head baseball coach at Dixie State University, and he's doing great things down there, man. They're really thriving. But um, he basically he told me, hey, look, here's a four-year deal. If you can get drafted in three, sure, you can go if you want. It's up to you. But uh, this is a four-year commitment. And I remember just telling him, hey, I'm here for the, this, this time. I want to make this a, I want to make this decision. I want to be here for good. And um, it was just a, a great decision, man, to really go back. And, and it was more of, like you said, uh, committed to this. Uh, this is what I said I would do. I know that uh, we had eight or nine seniors that year who I was grinding with for three years, man, and we were really improving together. We had a great coaching staff and, and just a great atmosphere, a lot of hype going into that next year. And I knew that if I went back to school, it would put us over the edge. And I just did. It was – I love Reno. Reno's home. <laughs> I love Reno. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um I, I guess, like, you know, when you first went into college, was, was getting drafted, like, even in your mind at that point? Like, how, what was your, you know, mental or mentality going into college? You know, you, you said you always wanted to play Division One, so you make it there. You know, what, what was it like starting out there? Yeah, man, it was very interesting. Um, I, I always wanted to play professional baseball. I didn't know how I was going to do it yet. Mm-hmm. But I knew I wanted to play, and I knew there was an opportunity to wherever you go. It wasn't necessarily on my radar. It was more of like, hey, let me make sure I get on the team, and like we're actually able to. I'm actually able to play. Thankfully, my freshman year, uh, one of the outfielders, he was senior, yeah, he's supposed to be a senior, and he was like a freaking three-time conference player of the year, or not player of the year, but uh, first team, and he ended up being kicked off the team, which opened up a massive spot for me to play right away and make an impact and after my first year man going out to summer ball i crushed it klamath falls oregon they're no longer the gyms anymore i don't even think they're a team but they were there we ended up we were two and 18 when we started ended up being 20 and two after most of our guys got there won 18 games in a row and i had a great 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 summer uh set a couple records in like 
made the all-star team and all this good stuff. And after that, I knew that I had a really good chance to play professional baseball, but I also knew it was going to be really hard. And there's a lot of really good players out there because I got exposed to ASU athletes, to Gonzaga, to um, UCLA, to Mm -hmm. Cal State Fort and all the really good West Coast schools for the most part in that league and I knew that it was going to be a tough grind but it was definitely on the top of my mind man that I wanted to get drafted I wanted to play professionally and, and make my dreams come true and you got the stats to back that up because I'm looking at your your college stats and they're they're similar to your high school stats could could you talk a little bit about just you were hitting something like 560 in high school and your senior year, you didn't even get an offer. Um, was that just because of the oversaturation of uh, quality of ball players in, in the region where you went to high school or was it something else? You know, I, I don't really know exactly. I couldn't pinpoint it. I had a few schools. I mean, university of Arizona wanted me to walk on, but I knew that they, at that time, they accepted probably 100 walk-ons, and then the majority of people got cut by them. Right. And then uh, University of Utah actually was getting ready to offer me. They kind of threw out an offer. Uh, I didn't take it right away. And then about a couple of days later, they revoked that offer because the pitcher went down. They needed to go find a pitcher instead of a hitter. And so for me, not a lot of people thought I could play defensively, so maybe that was part of it, mm -hmm. um, which – fueled my fire to become the best defender I could possibly be and ended up being the freaking gold glove first baseman in the future. Played a little bit of third in college, but it was tough, wow. man. It was, it was, it was tough to really know that you're doing everything you can to succeed and still not get the end quote unquote result that you want. But mm -hmm. in the end of things, man, if you really trust who you are, what you have, what you have to offer and your talents and you trust your own process, whatever that may be to get you to that level, you're going to get there, man. It's just going to take some time and, and take some time for people to see you, the right people to see you. Mm -hmm. I like that. I mean, I think it's tough to get your vision clouded by everything out there. Um, trusting in your process is enormous uh, on, on, on the mental side of things. As you're going through that, you know, I think back on my experience. Um, I had a very successful end of my high school career. And same thing, kind of low, um, low interest level across um, East Coast. So I ended up, I was like, eh, I'm just going to go close to me. I'm going to play, you know, Division Three ball out here. And I'm going to, you know, be whatever the team needs me to be. And that's kind of what I did. But I guess tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, some of the adversity you went through maybe on the defensive side of things and what you went out to prove on, on that side. Yeah, man. So – in high school, my freshman and sophomore year, I had a terrible diet. <laughs> so I would to paint the picture and make it a little clearer for you. I would go to this place called Fast, Foothills Athletic Training, and a guy by Kyle Decker, amazing guy. I, mm -hmm. I loved what they did. But after every workout, we'd get crushed, man. Like, like we almost died. I broke the treadmill once because I had such, uh, I guess, not, I don't want to say fat feet, but heavy feet. Like I, I wasn't light on my feet by any means at <laughs> yeah. that time. So I literally broke the treadmill. It was insane, which was a great day because we didn't have to run the treadmill. Wait, <laughs> we wait, had to go outside did, to the back part. Did you like break the conveyor belt? Like the, the run, the thing that moves? 
Yeah, man. It wow. shut down. It was, and it was gone, dude, for like that whole summer, dude. It was awesome. We were so Sounds a little intentional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It may have been intentional. I might have been more happy on feet then. But wow. after that, dude, I would go. We'd, we'd get crushed in the gym for an hour, do mm-hmm. our thing. And then I would go across the street to QT, which for those of you on the East Coast, it's a quick trip. It's basically like a Circle K or a um, what, whatever that one with the S is out there. Convenience uh, store. Basically, right? yeah, yeah, convenience store. Yeah, little convenience store slash gas station. And they had a foot long, or not foot long, but almost a foot long, long john. And then I would go get a 44-ounce Dr. Pepper, and I would crush those after every workout. <laughs> so I'm eating a donut and a, and a big Dr. Pepper. And so I had a little bit of a belly at the time, the first couple of years. And I used <laughs> that as my fuel to – kind of get in better shape man and, and put my body in a better position because i knew seeing college athletes seeing how freaking strong and donkeys they were i knew i had to be strong but i had to <laughs> mm-hmm. be fit as well you know i can't keep eating this stuff so that kind of that kind of helps it but i think just the, the overall fact of when you're overlooked in a certain situation you always want to go prove something and for me, it was almost proving something to myself to become better every day at that side of the game because i knew to be a complete player you're going to be able to play at the next level. And for me being a corner guy, I needed to be really good at third base to make sure that I could play there as long as I could until somebody told me I needed to play first base. So that's kind of how it worked. But the diet was tough, man. (laughs) The diet was tough back in the day, and that, I think, prevented some of those from happening. I'm I'm someone who went through a personal uh, diet change and and weight loss journey. Uh, Over the past three years, I've lost – a little over a hundred pounds. One, once you make that switch consistently, it completely changes uh, not only your physical performance, but your, your mentality going into it. And I see that you emphasize the mentality side of baseball with your uh, company, Major League University. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your mastery program, your mentorship program. I see that you got a good blog going on here. Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, first of all, congratulations. That's incredible. Hey, thank you. I think what you did there, dude, like literally what you did there is what I teach in a different way. You know, like (laughs) yours is is lifestyle, yours is diet. This is basically holding yourself accountable, committing to yourself, Mm -hmm. um, doing something that's uncomfortable, but it's not unattainable something that you can achieve and you could actually get there. And that's kind of what we teach really, man, with, with our mentorship program, the mentorship programs, a monthly deal where you sign up for, if you're an athlete, you can either do the monthly or you can do a yearly. I've got to add it on there still, but there's a yearly option, which I would recommend because nothing happens overnight. Nothing happens within a couple of weeks. Like it's going to take some time. And I think nowadays society wants things so quick, especially mm-hmm. our athletes we want quick, gratification, quick success. And it just doesn't happen that way. You got to work for it. You got to put in the hours. You got to put in the discipline of putting the right food in your body, putting the right nutrients in your mind as well. And so it's all about training our mind, man, and and really helping athletes understand how powerful they can become and what their identity is, that it's more than just the sport that they play. A lot of us get so caught up in, I'm a baseball player. I'm a baseball player. I go home for Thanksgiving and Christmas and everybody asks me about baseball, baseball, baseball. When am I going to be in the pros? When am I going to be in college? Who's offering me? Where do I want to go play? What if I'm starting at Stanford? What if I'm like 
this and that, all these different outside external forces. And my whole goal is to help you understand that you had a name before the game. You have a purpose that's bigger than baseball and there's more than that to life. And it sets you up for life. If you let mm-hmm. it, it could also, it could also hurt you. Like I've seen guys in pro ball, man, you think pro ball is like all oh, sunshine and rainbows. There's a lot of broken people there. And the biggest thing is they don't really have an identity and they don't know who they actually are. They're so used to being a baseball player. And when they're on the verge of being cut, just being a baseball player, you see the you kind of foresee the future and you, you think you're almost done in a way. And so I think just understanding that there's more to life than just baseball. Um, the mentorship program, like I said, monthly to yearly, I'm starting that mental game mastery program, which is a six week developmental course type deal that we're going to meet once a week for the first six weeks of the year coming up in January. And I'm so excited because it's high school and college athletes. We get to meet new people from across the world. We get to see new, uh, see different struggles. Athletes get to be vulnerable. When there's vulnerability, you can now open yourself up to grow. I think that's a big key for athletes, especially now we don't talk. We just text, you know, like it's kind of how it is. Mm-hmm. And so I'm super excited about that program, man, and how it's going to impact these athletes and set them up for success uh, this year. That's great. Yeah, it sounds really cool. Like, I don't know the vibe I'm getting from it, which I, I kind of like. And the way I'm, I'm hearing it is it's almost like you're diving in with these athletes, trying to have them look in the mirror and say, what's my identity as a person? Um, so they know, you know, what flair they, you know, what, what's their, their, their one thing they bring to the baseball field, not just on the field, but off the field. And then it can kind of give them a different flair and think more internally about how they get to their goals. Is that kind of how you go about it in the beginning with them? Definitely, man. Definitely. Really holding yourself accountable, uh, mm-hmm. committing to yourself. At the end of the day, man, we only have ourselves. I mean, who are you when you're alone? You know, like mm-hmm. I could be the, the best dude in the world around you guys. We could be chopping it up for hours. But when I go home and I'm sitting there by myself, how do I feel about myself? Who do I say I am? What mm-hmm. do I think about myself? It's so key, man. And it's more than just sports. It's more than just school. Like, it's real life. Like it's, a lot of people are dealing with this. So if we can impact them at a younger age, I think it only will help develop more leaders and successful individuals in this world and, and help change the world. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. I guess to, to go back in a little bit here from your days in pro ball, was there any like part of that grind that helped you develop major league university? Was there, you know, any experience, experiences specifically from pro pro ball and that grind that you were like afterwards you're like you know i can take from this and and build you know mlu 100 percent, man it was after my first year i had Uh a great year i was in the pioneer league which is up in missoula montana was where we were at Mm -hmm. i actually just changed their mascot which is kind of cool it's like something with the mooses or the the paddles or something paddle ducks something crazy (laughs) you'll see i'm sure floating around twitter uh real awkward but i'm down (laughs) so i was up there and they crushed it like led the league in homers led like ty goldie's uh, paul goldschmidt's record at that time after playoffs yeah and like dude they crushed it led the league in walks like I don't even know if I set a record for extra base hits, but I was up there with it. Like, it was crazy stats, okay? Like, on the outside, everything was great. We won the championship. I was an all-star. Whoop-de-doo. But then 
that off season, I go into instructionals, which is basically get invited back. If you're going to be in double A AA or triple A or have a good chance to get to the big leagues in the near future, they invite a select amount of people back. So I was invited back and I was fired up. I'm on the fast track to the big leagues. Let's go. And then halfway through that in October, right before my birthday, I failed a drug test. And so that like shattered me, dude. Like it absolutely put me in shambles. I didn't know what to do the toughest phone call I've ever had to make to my parents. It was awful. Like I didn't know how to react to this. I didn't know what was going to happen, what people would think about me. And I got so much anxiety and I got in this massive depression, like internally that I started to mask my pain. And so I masked my pain with prescription medication and with uh, just negative external forces that weren't serving me or my body or my life. And so Mm -hmm. when I got out of pro ball, I finally, Right before my last season of pro ball, it was about 2008, 2017, right before the new year of 2018. And I, I finally kind of came to terms with it. I introduced to a guy who he's uh, with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and he kind of led me back to the Lord a little bit. And that kind of started this whole transition into this new life that I was trying to create for myself. And, mm-hmm. and so I went into that last year, more mentally focused, more uh, kind of locked in and at that point, it was just time, got released, went over to Indi- independent ball play for a month, got released there, thankfully, because I, that was terrible, and then decided to retire and hang it up. And, and right then, I was like, all right, like, I don't know what exactly I'm going to do yet, but I'm going to make sure that nobody ever feels like this ever again, and I'm going to do whatever I can in my power to help athletes be prepared when adversity hits and when different moments like this hit. So going through the drug test, man, and like this, all this crazy stuff, like, it really you know, it just put things in perspective for me and mm-hmm. it made me realize like, hey, there's a greater purpose and there's more people out there that are struggling with this stuff and I need to be here to help them get through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- th- that's a powerful story. Uh, I appreciate you sharing, Austin. I think a lot of listeners can, can take something from that, you know, in their own way, whether it's coaches that, you know, played pro ball and went through, you know, similar stuff or played college ball, went through similar stuff. Um, players listening. I mean, there's just so much more to, to this game than just on the field. I think really teaching how to dance, you know, handle failure because you're going to handle it so much is just a tough thing for a lot of players to understand early on in their careers. And like, the more you introduce these these things through, you know, whatever your men- mental game mastery or mentorship program, introducing it at a younger age to these players just sets them up for better success. So I think it's a super powerful story um, and appreciate you sharing. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you guys giving me the chance to share it, man. And like when I go work with, work with a lot of teams, so mm-hmm. different college teams, high school, travel organizations, and when I share that, I think like I just am able to connect with them on a different level because I know they're going through it. I know people are either using medications, using drugs, or they're trying to stay away from it because there's so many people that are doing it or they're battling their own battle inside their own internal battle, whether that's, I don't feel good enough, I'm not confident, whatever it is. And to be able to just kind of get down to the bare bottom and be able to relate to the kids and not coming in, like trying to tell them how to live their life or tell them what to do. I'm sharing what I did, how it was, how it impacted me, really my future. And then now an opportunity to get back to them and be like, look, like I'm here to help you through whatever battle you're going, man. Like I want to be here to help. Mm -hmm. When you're mentoring these kids, 
what is your favorite aspect to help try and guide them through? Is it, um, you know, uh, off the field type stuff or is it, you know, working on a project with their on the field skills? Ooh, that's a good question, man. I think it's more of the off the field stuff. So my biggest thing is, I guess, the best part I get out of it. And my favorite thing to do is teach them visualization. And I use the word visualization rather, rather than meditation because mm-hmm. as an athlete, if you hear meditation, you instantly shun it out and like block it out and say, <laughs> yeah. okay, you're a crazy hippie. <laughs> you're a monk. Like, oh, what are you trying to teach me? Yeah, you're a monk, dude. Like, go live in a freaking cave. Like, <laughs> no, like everybody needs to be doing this. I won't give you the, the background on why it's important yet, but what we're going to do is we're going to visualize ourselves, have success, and we're going to create our own mental highlight reel of the best at-bats, the best times on the mound, the best times in the field, the best times just in general with my teammates that I've ever had in my entire life. Think about three to five when you felt the best. And even if it's 60 seconds before an at-bat, on deck circle, if it's in the, in, the, in the dugout, if it's in the clubhouse before you go out to the game, if you're laying out there before stretch, before the national anthem, or maybe even during the national anthem, you're just visualizing yourself having your best at-bats, taking your best swing, throwing low strikes, whatever it is, whatever position you play. I teach that everywhere I go, no matter if it's a youth baseball camp, no matter if it's soon to be with uh, the team that I'm coaching up here in the Bay Area, or if it's with the team that I go work with as far as a college or high school travel organization, because it is so powerful. And the younger that you can learn this, the better, because I didn't know this until college. And at first, Mm -hmm. when they came in, somebody said it was meditation. I said, no way, Jose, like I am not doing this. But our coach, (laughs) forced us to do it every single day. And I watched our team. This is where it really hit. I'm like, for my junior year, for my sophomore to junior year, we lost three starters. One was a first round draft pick to the Diamondbacks. Another one was um, co-player of the year, pitcher of the year, went to the Diamondbacks. And the other one ended up getting hurt, but was a nasty lefty, 91 and 94, would have been a first rounder, like or top five in the next, next year if he didn't get hurt and like fall into the same depression that we, that I did. And so I watched this happen with a lesser quote unquote talented team at the time than the year before. And all we, we did a lot of things different. We focused on little things for sure. But the biggest thing that we did was visualize. And we did this every single day for five to 10 minutes in the clubhouse before we went out to the field. And this changed everything. Like I we were so locked in. Everybody is more mentally focused, less jitters, less anxiety, less fear, less, uh, sporadic minds where we're bouncing around like a ping pong ball, like help us process our thoughts to help us get rid of anything that's going on outside of the field that we're, we could now focus in on what we need to do on the field for this time that we have, whether it's an hour or three hours or five hours. And I will teach this to every single person that I ever come across because it is so powerful. And the more that you can really see yourself in your mind, have success, the better the product on the field is going to be. Love that. Like I, as simple as it is, like it doesn't happen as much as it needs to. So to hear, you know, how you kind of did that in college and then how you're kind of teaching that now is great. I, li- I literally had a question <laughs> set up. I was like, what key visualization tactics are you teaching? And you just blew that one out of the water. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I don't even have to ask it because that was literally perfect. Um, yeah. Like, so like how, how, how long are you guys spend it? Were you guys spending like before a game doing this? Like, 10 minutes, like five minutes, like how? Yeah, anywhere from five to 10 minutes for our team. Okay. About five to 10. 
and it would depend maybe on the day or maybe on how much time we had, but we didn't miss it. And that was the key. We never missed it. Yeah. And I wish I would have taken this off. I got, I, I used this and this is where like the personal experience comes from. I used this tool because mm-hmm. when I was drafted, I only had about two weeks off, three weeks off after the season and then went straight into professional baseball. So I knew like, Hey, that was my routine. This is what I did every day. I'm going to keep this stuff. And so I did it in pro ball and I raked. Mm-hmm. Well, then the next two years after two and a half years after not doing this consistently, not having a routine, I was not raking. <laughs> I was not hitting nearly as good as I <laughs> used to hit. And the only correlation besides how I felt inside was the visualization. Still worked out, still hit all the time, still did all this other stuff. I never saw myself succeed. I was telling myself the wrong thing. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how it came about, man. That's great. Uh, that's something visualization or even just like the mental side of the game. Dave and I are both 24. I think we were kind of on the same baseball team on and off throughout our younger days. Mm-hmm. No, no visualization is really emphasized or practiced. Like at, at least on the East coast for us, like that, that's just seems like something that's coming along now that is so beneficial because that's just like one less thing to worry about. You know, yeah. baseball is, has enough pressure to, as it comes with naturally, if your head's right, that's just one more thing to check off the box that will lead you to success. Yeah. I, did, I didn't do any to college. I didn't do any to college. I know, I know for a fact. It's ridiculous. They need to be teaching this in schools. Like it's yep. not just, it's not even just athletes. Like, what if we, like, this is one of my dreams, and I know people are working on it already, but I want to join forces. So if you're out there listening to this and this is what you're working on, hit me up. <laughs> Slide in the yeah. DMs, baby, because I'm ready. But I want to, like, what if we had, instead of first hour, quote unquote, in all these high schools and youth schools where you just go in, you do your homework, you talk, and you BS around and whatever else you do in there, what if we had 15 minutes of personal reflection of, whatever name you want to call it, uh, but working on ourselves for the first 15 minutes. In the first five minutes, you wrote in a gratitude journal, five things that you're grateful for that give you joy, that make you happy. And then you wrote down three affirmations that you were going to tell yourself for that day or commitment saying, I'm a beast. I am healthy. I am strong. I have great friends. I have a great family. I have a great life. I love my school, something like that. And then we just meditated or we visualized or whatever you want to call it for five minutes. 60 seconds even. Imagine how much better, one, the students would actually comprehend the information they're learning, how much more focused they would be in their minds. Like, mm-hmm. it would be incredible. So, yeah. dude, I want to get that going. I just don't have the funding to do it. <laughs> really. <laughs> I, th- I think it's it's like two things. It's it's definitely like a mind shift for some people, Like like how – they can use this in other ways. Like, I think that's a great example of how this can be used most practically, like mm-hmm. at, at a younger age for a lot of kids. And then, you know, they can take it with them into sports, into their, you know, careers, whatever. I mean, I, I know for myself, like a year ago, I was getting really busy with the business and like a bunch of other stuff in my life, like coaching, um, playing ball on the side a little bit, still working, other jobs and I was just like well I don't I don't even have time to breathe right now and I literally had to start chalking out like a half hour of my day for like personal reflection and like as soon as I started doing that every day got easier from there for me personally so 
I know it's how powerful it is. It's just like think internally to like affect things externally. It's like enormous. That's good right there. I'm using that. Think internally to reflect things externally. Boom. That's a quote. <laughs> I like that. Cool, cool. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad at least I said one useful thing because it's about 95, <laughs> 95% useful things from you here. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're hitting us with knowledge today, Austin. But we, we, we have a limited time left, so we're going to transition into quick pitch questions. Quick pitch, quick uh, pitch. First question what is your favorite baseball movie of all time oh man major league uh, oh i love that nice is it just because your company is major league university <laughs> i didn't even <laughs> think about it but hey maybe it is no <laughs> that's a masterpiece case, <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> no, that's a good movie good movie rick vaughn might be the best movie pitcher of all time I'm going to go Rick Vaughn. Uh, hands down. Uh, <laughs> maybe not hands down. There's a few other ones, but hey, he's, he's top three. Easy top three. <laughs> yes, agreed. What's the biggest lesson baseball has taught you throughout the years? Ooh, that failure ultimately will lead to growth if you allow it to. That every time that you fail, you're one step closer to your dreams because Whatever you do in baseball, you fail 10 times. The next half bat, you hit a home run. You do it in business, you fail 10 times and more like a thousand times. People don't respond to you. People don't acknowledge you. People don't think you have what it takes. And you keep putting the work in. You keep putting it out there every single day. You're eventually going to get that. So failure leads to growth, man, every single time. I saw something, an article on, I think, the New York Times. It was a list like a common theme that all successful people have and it's facing adversity and failing at a very early age and then uh res how they respond to it that's as long as you openly you know can learn from your mistakes when you're younger that's that's going to set you up for for positive results in my opinion Absolutely, i like that man. you're spot on what's the biggest tip that you could give a guy trying to mentor some young players, maybe starting trying to start that visualization culture in his program. Uh, what's the biggest tip you could give him? Seek first to understand, and then you can talk. Like, ask them questions. The more questions you ask and break down the barriers, the more honesty you're going to get from somebody. And I think something that like I don't do a lot of things well. I've got a ton of room to grow and like we all do as people and, and mm -hmm. humans. But the thing that I think I do the best is I ask people how they're feeling. I ask them about themselves. I don't just immediately jump into it and say, all right, this is what we're going to do. This is what you need to do, blah, 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 blah. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to be told what we need to do. We've got to understand our athletes. If you're a coach, you've got to understand where your athletes are coming from. Maybe what they're doing on the field is a result from what's going on at home. Maybe it's something in class that they're so stressed out about that if you asked, hey, how was school? How's your schoolwork going? Maybe you would have gotten that answer before he yelled at the kid and made him run to center field because you knew that he was uh, all pent up with all his anger and anxiety inside. So I think the biggest thing to do this man if you're a coach if you're a player anybody who's doing this stuff if you want to go do what we're doing and coaching different people like ask them about themselves like honestly like ask them how they're doing truly get the answers out of them 
And from there, you can develop a plan. There's really no cookie cutter plan. Like when you ask kind of, hey, what's your process with the mentorship? There's really no like straight up process. It's all individualized. Like what maybe you respond different to something than I respond. So maybe we need to understand each other and how we can develop a plan for that individual to get to where they need to be. So that's the biggest thing, man. Understand where people are coming from. I love that. That that might be one of my favorite, you know, answers to there. I I think we've had like an ongoing theme of like um, our podcast um, guests coming on and and in one way or another, they're figuring out new ways to connect with players Mm -hmm. um, because the more they can connect with them off the field, the more results they can get on the field for them. So I love that perspective there. And I think we're, we're coming up here on the end. So that's perfect timing. I just want to thank you again for being on with, uh, with us here, Austin. It was, it's been a blast. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely have to have you back on. I feel like we could have talked another hour and a half or so, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Until then, until then, uh, let's give a little sneak peek to uh, all the listeners. There's going to be an ebook that me and Austin are working on around culture. Just stay tuned. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'm, we're very early days, but stay tuned. We'll be releasing more hopefully in the next couple months. Eyeball emoji. <laughs> eyeball. Double eyeball emoji. Put it in bold. <laughs> throw it on a text and slap it in the DM. Let's go. I'm pumped. Thanks for having me on, fellas. This was awesome. And the the pleasure is killer, man. I'm excited. I'm excited. Oh, man. I'm excited. I won't get too much more info, but thank you guys for having me on. Thanks so much, Austin. Thanks, Austin.